Welcome to another episode of The Glow Show. I'm Pastor Sarah Stadler. I've served Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Phoenix for the past 11 years. During fall 2021, we are exploring the theme Theological ABCs. Today, we lift up S for salvation. Salvation is one of those concepts within Christian theology that has probably received more attention than almost any other theological concept. What is so interesting about the topic of salvation is that there's so much diversity in how the word salvation is used throughout scripture and how concepts having to do with salvation are fleshed out in scripture and there's even more diversity among theologians and biblical scholars in understanding salvation yet among christians there is one dominant view of salvation so Today, I'm just going to share a little bit about some of the diversity within the Christian tradition around the word salvation. A good place to start, I think, is simply looking at the word salvation in its original languages as it appeared in Scripture. So in the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, the word salvation appears many times, and what it means, what the word means in Hebrew is victor or victory. So in the Old Testament, when somebody receives salvation, it could be a victory of any type in their life. So it could be victory in death, but it could also be victory in disease or victory after defeat or victory after persecution or victory um, from loneliness or victory in the midst of sin or any situation where life and safety are threatened. Salvation in Hebrew is victory in it. In Greek, the word used for salvation, soteria, is, means simply the preservation and security of life. Soteria means the preservation and security of of life in the Greek language, which is the language of the New Testament. Notice that neither of these words in either the Old Testament or the New Testament actually refers to the afterlife. Just note that. By the time we get to the Latin, so the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek, and then the very first translations of the Bible from their original languages was into Latin. So by the time we get to the Latin, when the Septuagint was the name of the Bible that is the Bible that is the Latin translation of the original Greek and Hebrew, in the Septuagint, the word salvation is salvus, which just means health, wellness, or wholeness. Salvation is just health or healing. This is really interesting that somehow through 2000 years of Christian history, we have come to equate salvation by definition as an afterlife in heaven. That's so different, right? An afterlife in heaven is so different than the original meanings of salvation in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. How did we get there? It's a really good question. So I'm just going to try to break it down as much as I can. First of all, in the Old Testament, salvation is communal. 
whenever salvation is talked about in the Old Testament, which remember they're talking about victory in whatever life situation the people find themselves, they're talking about communal victory. So instead of having a sense of individual, personal salvation, there is communal salvation. Salvation was sought for the entirety of the Jewish people. In the New Testament, salvation is more personal. It's about the individual. There is a lot of um, conversation about what are we being saved from. Again, in the Old Testament, because of the understanding of the word salvation, we could people were being saved from lots of things. Any life situation where life was threatened, where safety was threatened. So that didn't necessarily need to be like being saved from death or being saved from sin or being saved from evil. It could be anything that threatened life. In the New Testament, there is more a sense of being saved from sin, evil, and the power of death. There's a lot written within Christian theology about salvation. And I'm, I've struggled to figure out how to simply put this um, in a way that will only take 10 minutes or so <laughs> to explain. But first, while all Christians understand Christ as Savior, there are numerous ways that Christians understand the operational aspects of salvation. How does Christ actually save us? And the word, theologically for that, is atonement. How does Jesus do the work of atonement? Well, first of all, some Christians believe that what God has done in Christ is objectively true and powerful. It's objective. doesn't matter what I think about it. It's true. It doesn't matter what I do. It's true. It doesn't matter what I believe about God. What God has done in Christ is objectively true and powerful. Lutherans tend to be some of those Christians who believe in an, in an objective atonement, that what we think about what God has done in Christ, whether we believe that God is real, that Jesus is Savior, has no bearing whatsoever on what God does in Christ and the power of that for us or anyone else. Other Christians believe that their personal commitment to God makes the saving work of Jesus possible. If I have been touched by Christ, the work of Christ saves me. Or to put it another way, conversion comes before salvation. This would be considered subjective atonement, that Christ's work is only applies to people who believe that it applies to them. For those who embrace objective atonement, there are two primary models that have been used to understand Jesus' saving work. The first one is probably the one you know, and theologians refer to it as substitutionary atonement theology. This was really fleshed out by the theologian Anselm. Here's the, the landscape of substitutionary atonement theology. The wages of sin is death. We sin, we deserve to die. God is just. So God sees the law and says, I got to follow it. Therefore, someone must die because the wages of sin are death. God enters the world and offers God's own self, God's son, Jesus, as a sacrifice to pay for our sins, a substitute for us 
This model in some ways emulates the idea of sacrifice in the Old Testament that the people, the ancient Jewish people practiced, that in substitute for them and their sin, they would sacrifice an animal that would free them from sin. In this model of atonement, Jesus is the final sacrifice. No other sacrifice is necessary ever again and is seen as merciful, a merciful sacrifice on the on behalf of humanity. What is interesting to me about this model is that resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday is not necessary because once Jesus dies, the wages of sin have been paid. Resurrection is not necessary. In this model, there is much emphasis on individual sin and less emphasis on systemic sin or evil. What is troubling to some about this model is that God seems to be bound by God's own law as if God could not act outside of God's own law. And so the law that the wages of sin are death is a law of God, and God chooses to follow it even though it requires the death of someone or something. The second model of atonement is at least now called the Christus Victor model, and it was originally formed by Origen in early the early Christian church and then later by Gustav Allen in the 20th century. In this model of atonement, we are enslaved by evil and the power of death. Jesus dies as a result of sin, the sin of those who crucified him, but he cannot be held because the power of God triumphs over the power of evil. This model of atonement has been more fully embraced by contemporary theologians than the substitutionary atonement model. One of those more contemporary theologians is James Cone, who was a professor at Union Theological Seminary in New York City, and he is considered the father of Black liberation theology. He was a force to be reckoned with. Dr. James Cone, Reverend Dr. James Cone, uh, writes about how God's power in Jesus' resurrection is an explicitly political power in the sense that God is working here and now in the present reality of the world, and not just after our deaths, to free us from the power of sin and evil. For instance, James Cone, Dr. James Cone, sees the Exodus from the Old Testament book of Exodus as a way of God liberating and thus saving the people of Israel in real time from the power of evil. They were enslaved by the Pharaoh of Egypt and God frees them. And for us, Dr. Cohn sees salvation um, both objectively and subjectively in that Christ has done the work. Christ has freed us from the power of sin and evil, and we live into the resurrection by seeking justice here and now. Christ's death and resurrection free us from the power of sin, death, and evil. The power of sin, death, and evil. Sin, death, and evil still exist, right? We're still going to die. We're still going to sin. Evil still exists. But Christ's death and resurrection free us from the power of sin, death, and evil. These 
theories come from theologians who study the Bible as well as their own theological traditions. Each of the Gospels understand Jesus' death differently. In the Gospel of John, Jesus' death is not very important. <gasps> that almost sounds heretical, but it's true. What's important in John is Jesus' life, the incarnation of God. In John, Jesus' death is a way for God to fully identify with humanity. In Matthew, however, there is a clear substitutionary atonement. In Mark, Jesus speaks of being a ransom, which is more similar to the Christus Victor model of atonement. In a similar way, when Paul writes that nothing in all creation, neither life nor death nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor anything else will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, he is speaking of Jesus' saving work in the model of Christus Victor. But when we read the book of Hebrews, which is clearly written from the perspective of a Jewish person who converted to Christianity, there is a more substitutionary atonement. So what do we do with all of that? We as Christians see Jesus as Savior, but exactly how that happens is not clear. Our religious tradition, our scripture, has a diversity of understandings of salvation. And so we're honestly not ever going to know exactly operationally how that works, but we do, I do at least, experience the salvation of God, freedom from sin, death, and evil as I walk in the way of Jesus. That's all for today, but join us next week for Sanctification.